Hello, Rise from Stuck Warriors. I've got author DK Drake here with me today. It's really easy to have her on the show because, well, she is me. DK Drake is my pen name, and the short story I'm about to share is the origin of that pen name. Why do I use a pen name? Several reasons. One, tumble my pride. I don't want to be obsessed with seeing my name on the cover of a book. And two, DK Drake is a lot easier to say and spell than Bonnie Jean Schaefer. Plus, it sounds more like a fantasy author than my given name. So what does DK stand for? Darcy Kimberly. Why Darcy Kimberly? Well, I needed to come up with the name of the main character for the story I'm sharing today. My older, bolder sister's name is Marcy, and I wanted my character to be bold like my sister. So I replaced the M with the D and named her Darcy. As for the K, my boss at the time was also a graphic designer, and she designed the first cover of the first fantasy novel I wrote. Her name is Kimberly, and I threw the K in there to honor her part in the genesis of my fantasy writing career. Then I threw Drake in the mix to bring out the alliteration of the D and the K. And at the time I wrote the story, I had only published one novel that was a complete flop. I thus wanted to get into the head of a successful novelist, so I made the main character a best-selling author in search of an idea for her next book. Notice in the story that she doesn't have a last name. All I knew at the time was that her name was Darcy. After readers enjoyed the story, I decided to write a fantasy series based on the dragon stalker concept I created for the story, and that's when I added the K and Drake. I wanted to let DK be the author of the series. Now, I wrote the story at the prompting of friends who kept harassing me to write a story about cops and a story about dragons. To make both of those friends happy, I wrote Cops, Robbers, and Dragons. If you want to read along as I read, you can snag a copy as part of the DK Drake Starter Library at authordkdrake.com. I hope you enjoy it. It's Fantasy Fiction Friday! That means it's time for an escape break with author DK Drake. This is the part of the show where author DK Drake, aka your host Bonnie Jean Shaper, reads you a snippet of one of her stories. She's been stuck at the start line of her next novel for years and is on a quest to reconnect with her characters and reignite her creativity so she can get back into writing action. She is thus reading through her novels out loud three chapters at a time. Since she's reading out loud anyway, she's recording her reading sessions and sharing her stories with you. So if you're intrigued by a world where dragons exist and people live for hundreds of years, stay tuned for a show designed for sheer entertainment purposes. Still here? Fantastic. Prepare for adventure, for you are now entering the land of Xandador. Alright, so we're not actually entering the land of Xandador today, but we are meeting some dragons who are here in modern-day Earth, in my hometown of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, who came from the dragon dimension and the land of Xandador over there in that dimension. So that's where we get the dragons, and let's get to the story. Cops, robbers, and dragons? I looked at the clock and back at my blank notebook. Nine o'clock was only minutes away, and I had nothing. Absolutely nothing. I had been riding around town with one cop or another for almost 24 straight hours and was left with nada in terms of story and character ideas for my next book. There just wasn't enough crime in Winston-Salem. So, said Abe, my current cop chauffeur, ready for me to take you back to the station? I suppose. Sorry nothing interesting happened. Not as sorry as I am. My publisher is expecting a manuscript in 30 days and I don't even have a story idea yet. I didn't realize how much pressure was involved in writing a follow-up to a best-selling novel. The stress of having to write an even better book was so intense I seemed to have lost all sense of creativity. 
This marathon ride-along was my desperate attempt to find some material I could use. As Abe drove down Martin Luther King Jr. Drive toward the public safety center, I closed my eyes, rubbed my temples, and hung my aching head in despair. What was I going to do? What happens to a writer with a publishing contract who can't write? I ignored the radio chatter and dings on Abe's computer as we drove. For the last 24 hours, those noises had me hope that an idea-sparking crime was in progress. But that hope had always been crushed. At this point, I just wanted to go home and wallow in my idea-less misery. Perk up, Darcy, Abe said. This is the call you've been waiting for. Abe flicked on the lights and sirens, pulled a quick U-turn, and zipped in and out of traffic down the four-lane road at a speed I had never experienced before. Once I caught my breath, I looked over at the smiling redhead. What's going on? Get this. A thief reporting his own break-in says he's trapped by a dragon and needs help. A dragon? Yep, this is going to be good. Another cop car with lights glowing and sirens blazing joined us as we turned on Lowry Street. With other cars no longer in our way, we sped up, then screeched to an abrupt halt at the end of the street. One lone house surrounded by woods down a gravel driveway greeted us. With no street lights or house lights to alleviate the eerie darkness, Abe killed his siren but kept his blue light shining. Chance, the blonde-haired, blue-eyed rookie cop that pulled in behind us, did the same. I followed the uniformed officers to the stoop of the one-story home and waited while they knocked on the locked front door. I don't think any dragons could fit in this little house, said Chance, shining his flashlight into the window to the right of the door. Let's check around back, said Abe. Whoever broke in didn't use the front door. Chance took the right side of the house. Abe and I took the left. But we all saw it at the same time. A six-car garage at least three stories high at the bottom of a steep hill near the edge of a lake. The garage door on the far right was open. Through it, we could see bursts of light, each of which was followed by girly screams. Looks like we found our thief. Abe scanned the terrain with his flashlight and found a set of stone steps leading down to the massive garage. Let's go arrest the idiot. In, a few, in the few minutes it took us to walk down the hill, the bursts of light had ceased, rendering the garage as dark as the house above us. It wasn't as quiet as the house, though. I heard whining and crying. And huffing? I disregarded the huffing sound, chalking it up to my sleep-deprived imagination. I was certain I heard sirens in the distance, though. Apparently more bored cops were on the way to help defeat a dragon. A dragon? How ridiculous. I wondered what kinds of drugs a person would have to be on to call the cops on himself because he thought a dragon was holding him hostage. I stopped wondering the instant Abe and Champs shone their flashlights into the open garage door. What the light revealed caused Chance to drop his flashlight, yelp in terror, and hold his hands up as though he was the one being arrested. Abe simply stood transfixed, as did I. An eight-foot-tall, twelve-foot-long, gray, scaly creature with a long neck, black eyes, and rounded wings, holding a poorly-dressed, redneck teenage punk by his jeans between its teeth, stared back at us, puffing smoke out of its nostrils. Don't let it eat me! Don't let it eat me! Don't let it eat me! was all the whiny kid could say through his tears. She's a noon stalker, a man behind me said. She won't eat you. At least not this time of day. The stranger, a white-hand man around 60, dressed like Indiana Jones, complete with whip and hat, walked up to Chance, picked up his flashlight, and put it back in Chance's hands. What's the matter? Never seen a dragon before? He walked past the statue-like Abe and flicked on the garage light. Once my eyes adjusted to the sudden brightness, I could see at least a dozen shiny and super expensive-looking antique cars par parked throughout the building. The man didn't bother taking inventory of his car treasure. He simply addressed the four-legged creature. Skylark, put the man down. She cocked her head. He folded his arms. I know he tried to steal a car, 
That's why these officers are here. Let them punish him in our human way. She puffed a fresh batch of smoke and dropped the thief to the concrete floor. Shrugging her scaly shoulders, she retreated to the corner and lay down. The thief, on the other hand, crawled to Abe and begged from his knees with his hands folded in front of him. Please arrest me. I'm sorry I tried to steal one of the man's cool cars. I was wrong, so you have to take me to jail. Take me before that other dragon finds me. It's hunting my cousin now. Once it finds him, it's going to come for me. I just know it. You have to arrest me. You have to arrest me now. Impressive, Abe. You caught a thief who caught on his own crime and is begging to be arrested. I turned to find two more cops walking up. One was a few inches taller than the other and had his thick head of black hair slicked back. The shorter one had his black curly hair and a cut in a military-like fashion. I had met them both earlier in the day. Mason was the taller one. Byron was the one who was teasing Abe. You can't arrest him, the Indiana Jones wannabe said. Not yet. Not until we find my other dragon. Hold on, Mason said. This guy believes there's a dragon problem too? Take a look inside, Abe said. It'll make a believer out of you. While Mason and Byron walked up to the garage and were rendered speechless by the great creature in the corner, Abe questioned Jones. You own this place? Yes, sir. Name's Kenton Kaismeyer. I'm a dragon collector. You're a what? A dragon collector. Listen, officer, I don't have time to explain the finer points of dragon collecting right now. What I do need to explain is that there is a midnight stalker on the loose in these woods. If we don't find it and feed it before midnight, the city is in trouble. A midnight stalker? You people are so ignorant of dragonology. Kenton took his hat off and beat it against his legs. There are four types of dragons. Midnight stalkers, dawn stalkers, noon stalkers, and dusk stalkers. They're named for the time of day they prefer to eat. About three hours before their peak feeding time, their scales change from gray or white to their designated colors. The midnight stalker, for instance, changes from gray to black. If he is not fed before all his scales turn black at midnight, his appetite becomes insatiable. He will go on a hunting rampage and enjoy feeding on as many humans as he can find. So, my four cop friends, and whoever you are, Kenton said, pointing at me, saving the city from a dragon killing spree is up to us. Us? Chance gulped. I'm not part of this us. Hunting dragons was not part of my training. Relax, kid, Kenton said. It's not that hard. But you can't call in any more cops or tracking dogs. You need to turn your radios and phones off. The noise will startle him, and I'm afraid all the commotion here tonight has already caused him to retreat far into the woods. What we have to focus on finding is the bait. The bait? This thief's cousin. See, Silver Spike's first loyalty is to me in protecting my treasure. So he's hunting the threat to my treasure, which is the cousin. All we have to do is find the cousin before Silver Spike does. And if we don't? Byron asked. Then the cousin becomes Silver Spike's first meal. At the threat of his cousin being eaten, the thief started shaking his head and ranting. I told Rupert we shouldn't rob this place. I told him it was a bad idea, but he wouldn't listen. He thought I was just being scared. Then the tears began flowing. Now he's about to be eaten by a dragon. What's your name, kid? I stepped up, ready to slap the kid for being so pathetic. His pity party wasn't helping anyone. Delmer? He choked out between sobs. Delmer, I said. Does Rupert have a cell phone? Yeah, of course. Doesn't everybody? So stop whining and text him. Find out where he is. That's risky, Kenton said. If Silver Spike is near the thief and hears the phone, then at least we'll know where to start looking for the dragon, Abe said. Delmer took out his iPhone and began texting. Amazing. He didn't look or smell like he had showered in weeks, and his clothes were three sizes too big with holes all through them, but he could afford the luxury of a fancy phone. Considering the circumstances, it kind of made me wonder who he stole the phone from. We spent the next minute in a strange sort of silence. No one moved. No one spoke. No one breathed. 
We all just stared at each other and waited for Dulber's fancy phone to ring or ding. Byron was the first to make a move. This is nuts. We can't just stand around and wait. Let's spread out, find the thief, capture the dragon, then go get some coffee and pretend like nothing out of the ordinary happened here tonight. As we mobilized and prepared to attack the darkness of the woods, Kenton lent me a flashlight and a cool hat just like his. Delmer's phone lit up and began blaring some country song I didn't recognize. Abe took it out of Delmer's hands, put the phone on speaker, and answered it. Rupert, where are you? I don't know, man. I'm all turned around and I dropped my glasses and it's dark and I can't see anything and there's a dragon after me, man. Calm down, Kenton said, taking control of the phone. We're going to find you, but you have to help us out. Are you near the water? Yeah, man, I've been running along the shore. Wait, is that bad, man? Do dragons like water? Do I need to run away from the water, man? No! Stay along the shoreline. Find the dock. We'll meet you there. Doc, what's that, man? Really? Kenton shook his head. It's like a deck, but it's in the water. It'll have a small boat tied to it. Hide in the boat. Okay. And stop crying, turn off your phone, and be quiet. The quieter you are, the better your chances of survival. Kenton ended the call and tossed Delver's phone back to him. How far is Doc from here? Mason asked. About a ten-minute walk, Kenton said. He disappeared into the garage and reappeared a moment later, carrying a ten-pound bag of dog food. He shoved the bag into Delmer's chest and jerked him to his feet. Here, you are carrying this. Whoa! Delmer dropped the bag and raised his arms in the air. I'm under arrest. I'm not going nowhere except jail, and I'm not carrying no dog food when we ain't even trying to catch a dog. He's got a point, Chance said. I should probably go ahead and take him downtown. Chance took a step forward. Kenton stopped him. Hold it. This thief has to come with us. He's additional bait, and he has to bring the dog food. It's Silver Spike's dinner. You'd be surprised how much dragons love dog food. With that odd statement, Kenton took off into the woods. The rest of us followed single file down the dark trail. No one said a word as we worked our way through the woods. I found myself jumping at the sound of every snapped twig and crunched leaf, certain the hungry giant dragon was going to swoop in, snatch me up, and carry me away to his secret lair. I, of course, would have to find a way to befriend him before becoming his dinner, but at the moment I was simply too tired to figure out how to go about befriending a dragon. I was thus relieved to arrive unharmed at a small clearing that exposed the dock in the moonlit lake. Without saying anything, Kenton positioned the four cops and me in a perimeter around the edge of the clearing. Armed with Kenton's flashlight, I was stationed in the middle. Byron was ten feet to my right, and Abe was ten feet to my left. Mason was on Byron's right, a few feet from the water, and Chance was on Abe's left, also a few feet away from the water, opposite Mason. I watched as Kenton led the dog food carrying Delmer to the dock and had him sit down at the end of the railless decking. Kenton then helped a trembling Rupert out of the boat and sat him down beside Delmer. He must have told them not to move because they stayed put as he grabbed the bag of food, plopped it down at my feet, and walked back to the clearing to deliver his instructions. Midnight is less than two hours away, but I have a hunch Silverspike will be here soon. When he comes, keep your weapons holstered, say nothing, and just shine your flashlights in his face. Noise makes him mad, but light calms him down. While you stay hidden and keep him calm with the light, I'll chat him up, feed him his dinner, and lead him back to the garage. Then you can do whatever you want with those thieves at the end of the dock. Understood? I joined the chorus of understanding grunts while Kent came to stand beside me. Now what? I asked. Now we wait. We waited. And waited. And waited. After nearly an hour of silence had passed, the cops were growing restless and I was struggling to stay awake. I finally decided I had to talk or risk zoning out for good. You called yourself a dragon collector, I whispered to Kenton. What exactly does that mean? I thought he was going to chastise me for talking and tell me to shut up, but he answered without hesitation. Just what it implies. I collect dragons. How many do you have? Right now, just the two. 
I had three, but my dusk stalker was killed a few years ago. That's why I moved here, to hide from the dragon hunters. Why do you collect dragons? To protect them from the hunters and other collectors. Legend has it that drinking the water flavored by the scales of all four dragons has magical healing properties and bestows the dragon powers on the drinker of the water. Dragon powers? Midnight stalkers have enormous strength. Noon stalkers are known for their invisibility. Dawn stalkers can teleport. Dust stalkers are extremely fast. How can you tell one kind of stalker from another? Midnight stalkers grow to 20 feet tall, are the largest dragons, and have pointy wings. They breathe lightning, and their scales change from gray to black as midnight approaches. Noon stalkers never grow taller than 15 feet and have rounded wings. They breathe fire, and their scales change from gray to gold as noon approaches. Dusk and dawn stalkers grow anywhere from 10 to 12 feet high and don't have wings. Dusk stalkers spit poison, and their scales change from white to rainbow colors of pink, purple, blue, and green as dusk approaches. Dawn stalkers, on the other hand, spit acid, and their scales change from white to rainbow colors of red, orange, pink, and purple as dawn approaches. They sound like ferocious creatures. How do you capture them? They're only ferocious when hungry or threatened, and the only way to collect a dragon is to find it and ride it. If you can ride it without falling before it learns to become too self-reliant after the age of one, you become its natural master. Hundreds of dragon questions were racing through my mind, but before I could pick which one to ask next, a massive black-winged creature emerged from the middle of the lake and flew right at us. As its front claws were about to snag the heads of Delmer and Rupert, Kitten stepped into the clearing and yelled, LIGHTS! All five of us non-dragon collectors shone our flashlights directly in Silver Spike's eyes. His wings continued to flap, but his claws retracted. Like a master dragon whisperer, Kitten coaxed Silver Spike to the clearing. Silver Spike landed letting his pointy tail snake into the water near Mason and his right front leg rest inches from chance. His long, scaly neck swiveled his head down so that his eyes became level with Kenton's. I forgot how to breathe as I held my flashlight steady, doing my part to keep the creature calm. Kenton spoke in soothing tones as he reached for the bag of dog food. Silver Spike's eyes followed Kenton's every move. That's how he noticed me. And became angry. He snorted, flapped his tail, bucked his head, blew a lightning bolt into the sky! Abe and Byron drew their guns. Chance and Mason went for their tasers. Mason was the first to take action. He pulled the trigger of his taser, attempting to bring the 20-foot dragon down with a man-made bolt of electricity. Needless to say, this did not please Silver Spike. With a flick of his tail, he knocked Mason to the ground, and with a stomp of his foot, he destroyed Mason's taser. Fools! Kenton screamed. I had everything under control! With that, he climbed up Silver Spike's back, latched onto the spike at the top of the dragon's head, and blew away. In stunned silence, we stared at the sky until the dragon and its rider disappeared into the night. Mason, uninjured, picked himself up, dusted the dirt off his uniform, and retrieved his crushed taser. How am I going to explain this? How are we going to explain any of this? Chance asked. Sarge is going to think I'm crazy if I turn in a report that mentions dragons. I didn't see any dragons here tonight, said Abe. Me either, Byron agreed. According to my report, we chased two guys who fled from the scene of a robbery into the woods. We searched for hours. Didn't find them. End of story. Abe checked his watch. Coffee, anyone? We still have time to get to Starbucks before they close. I spoke up. I could use some coffee. After all, I needed a, the jolt of caffeine. I was going to be up for at least another 24 hours, getting all my ideas down for my next book on paper. I already had a title picked out. The Dragon Collector. If you enjoyed today's Escape Break episode but don't want to wait to find out what happens next, click on over to authordkdrake.com. There you can become a DK Drake Insider, secure your free starter library, and access all the books from the Dragonstalker Bloodline Saga that are available for sale on Amazon. 
In the meantime, I dare you not to dream of dragons tonight.